a radical life. We have a first today. We have never, ever had a live guest with us. So today you're not going to hear I'm, much of Robin. And I'm live. I'm and alive. he's live. I'm, I'm alive. Spencer <laughs> is alive. For those of you who know about the early years of Teen Rescue and the Radical Life Support Band, you're going to hear a very familiar voice today. He was in the first wave of RLS band members. Spencer Thury is a high school graduate from Bloomington Jefferson High School. Go Jaguars. Go Jaguars. And Spencer and I got a very interesting meeting. We met actually a few times before we actually knew that we had met through people uh, talking about the other person and uh, one thing led to another. And what I'm going to do is, as I introduce Spencer Thury to you today, I'm just going to have him tell the story of how we met. Our producer today, by the way, and executive director of All Things Podcastable for Teen Rescue RLS, Radical Life Support, is Robin Moe, and she's the silent one today. She's doing all the work, none of the talking, but she's standing by here giving us directions. Yeah, we're still looking to make sure that we're doing this right. Yes. <laughs> she'll give us the look. Right. You can't see the look on the I'm going to close my eyes from here on out, guys. I don't want to see the look. So, Vince, tell us. How were you introduced to Teen Rescue and Radical Life Support? How, what, what's the story? story starts at uh, Sunshine Festival when I went and I saw this guy on stage with a guitar. And I think he went 100 degrees. And there was a guy on stage that had a Roland 505 drum machine. That he was, so it was just acoustic guitar and a drum machine. I thought, well, that's, that's kind of pathetic. Yeah, it's not, not and, much uh, of a band. Not much of a band. But they're on stage at Sunshine, which I wasn't. So, <laughs> so it's like, okay, I could do that. And then I was in the crowd, and I heard 13,000 people worshiping God in the middle of a field. And I had a tequila shirt on, and so there was, and I was just worshiping God wildly. So there was nobody near me because they didn't know if it was the spirit or if it was <laughs> Which the spirit. It was. If it was the tequila in me or something, but it wasn't. I just had the shirt, and it was really hot out because it's sunshine. You know, it was either really hot or it's tornadoes. Right. And, Always second week of oh, July, oh, hotter yeah. than hot. Oh. Mosquitoes. Oh. And people loving Jesus out in the field. It was oh, fabulous. And they were worshiping God. And I said, Lord, what can I do to make this feeling stay? And I heard that voice say, be a pastor. And I look around and there's nobody near me that said it. It's like, I just heard the voice of God say, be a pastor. It's like, well, I can't stand behind a pulpit to save my life. And there's a whole lot of things I couldn't do, God. And that I, might be one of those moments in heaven that when you get time alone with Jesus, you may want to say, could we run the reel? Could we go do a, <laughs> could we do a rewind and go back to a time in my life when I'm at this festival? He goes, yeah, I know which one. And you might want to say, who said be a pastor? Because there was nobody near nobody. me. Nobody. So nobody. where did it come from? There were 20 feet around me, nobody near me. And the Lord said, be a pastor. I heard that voice. And it's wow. like, God just spoke to me. I said, well, I can't do that, God. I can't do the suit and tie right. behind a pulpit. And then I felt the Lord say, I've got enough of those. I need something completely different. Huh. And um, I know that's how I felt, too. And then the next day I saw a guy jumping around, closed in match, high tops, goofy ripped up shorts on, long hair, guitar with no guts in it, dance with no electronics, so no pickups, no strings. I'm just jumping around air guitar in the middle of the crowd. And I thought, that's, that guy's nuts. <laughs> and I heard that voice again say, that's a pastor. 
Well, oh. I could do that. <laughs> <laughs> and even better than him. Yeah, uh, and better, yeah and I could better do it better than, than him. him. That's right. I, did I say agree. That. And then I started a new job, and this gal said that her sister was in a band and, and we should meet. So she gave me the contact number, and I called him, and I, then I met Rick at a Burger King. He had enough change in his pocket to pay for cheeseburgers. I was digging that. I knew it was the same guy. The guy in the crowd doing the air guitar thing. In, that's in, a pastor. That's a pastor. That's a pastor. And I, I was that guy. And you were that guy. And I think my church would say, we've got this guy we don't know that our denomination doesn't know what to do with. You should, you should hang with him. <laughs> and Two guys just, that they didn't know what to do with hang together. That, yeah, yeah, that yeah. It's like, you're both nuts. And so, yeah, you should go do this thing. Way over there. Proof that the two negatives make a positive. And then, oh, okay. So all of those things directing that way. I remember the conversation very well because obviously the sunshine meeting, you seeing uh, us on stage, you seeing me doing the air guitar amongst the crowd. Obviously, I didn't have that view at all because I was the one being viewed. But I remember the meeting at Burger King, which is for me the famous Burger King of the the Little Orange Volkswagen story where the kids came across the street from the, the Burger King over to my Little Orange Volkswagen. I played them a song and went like this. That's the Burger King that I would have these meetings at with folk that I would just get to know. So I remember that meeting with you very well. I do remember pulling the change out of my pocket. Over the years, it's always something different that the change, the money comes out of, the, the things I find to, to carry my money around in. But the, I remember the meeting and just listening to Spencer talk of course, he had conviction about what his belief. I mean, were you even a year old in the Lord yet? I got saved at 20-ish, 21. Okay. And how old were you at, at that time of our meeting? I don't know. Was I 22, 25? Okay, so you were you, somewhere. Okay. The, but you and, were a young believer. Yeah, and, and the I, whole... But that when I got sold out, okay. was uh, I had a face full of, I realized who I had become, that I never wanted to be. It's like, I'm not going to do that anymore. I think, yeah, you met me after that. Anyway, I came to you. I think we were going to do, because uh, I was writing skits and dramas and things. So we were, you were going to use me for writing skits or dramas, from what I remember in that conversation. There was no talk then of band between no, no, you and I. No, no, I mean, no, no conversation. Because that didn't really come out in our conversation, no. anything musical. It was more of what you were doing with the, the writing, yeah. the skits. And I was into going, you know what? I wouldn't mind adding a drama piece to the whole RLS presentation in the school's wherever we went. So that came out in our conversation very strongly. Um, let's jump to the day I found out, and you may have been telling me these things, but it didn't land when you were saying things about what you played musically and all that. But the day that it landed, I'll never forget as long as I lived, that I discovered that you were musical. I was getting ready to go do a youth retreat down in southern Minnesota, living in Bloomington, down to southern Minnesota. It might have been all of a, an hour and 45-minute drive. And I remember calling you up and asking you if you would like to drive me to this youth retreat. If you had a couple days available that you could just take me, be my driver, to bring your car, I hop in your car, drive me down to this youth retreat and, and hang with me for two days. And we're going down 52 towards Rochester, and I'm the, over there in the passenger seat, scribbling things down in my notebook, Bible open. I'm, I'm almost always very prepared uh, when I speak to a <laughs> crowd, and I was preparing. I was sure. preparing my messages for that weekend. I probably was going to speak 
four or five times to these youth throughout the weekend. And we're going down the road and I'm sitting there, I'm scribbling in my notebook. And all of a sudden, I hear a harmonica blasting. (laughs) And I look over, here he is, both hands on the harmonica. And my first thought was, who's driving the car? (laughs) And there he is. He's got his knee working the bottom of of the steering wheel, keeping the car going straight down 52, playing this harmonica. And I'm impressed. I mean, who else can drive with a knee? No, the harmonica playing was amazing. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. You play harmonica. So I said to him, I'm going to have you do that at the retreat. I'm going to have you play harmonica while I play some rock tunes. So I find out Spence is musical. You remember this situation? Oh, you yeah. remember? You yeah. remember the yeah. day? Yeah. And then there are these stories go on and on about his musical abilities as well as what I would call athletic abilities. Spencer is the only RLS band member that I ever give credit for doing cartwheels, backflips, jumps, splits. What would this be called? Gymnastics. He was a gymnast in a band. (laughs) Kind of a hype man. Kind of a backup singer, hype man, jumping around. Hype. That's the best word for it. Hype. He would fire. You would think it'd be enough guitars ripping, drums banging, you would think it would be enough, but no. Spencer no. comes flying out of the crowd. You need somebody to teach white people how to clap at a time. Uh, on two and four, not just one on three. I agree. Oh, totally. Just tears my heart Yeah, out. we don't play polkas around oh. here. We play rock and roll, and we've got to teach. So Spencer was the kind of the beat of the band. I mean, he came flying out of the crowds with harmonica, microphone. The kids just, they just loved it. They just went nuts when they would see him. And then he would do these cartwheel flips jumps down into the splits right there on stage in front of all these kids it just made the big rock ending even bigger awesome stuff so went on to play eventually started to play saxophone in the band uh, against my wishes because when he would say to me hey rick i play saxophone all i could think of was that kid in band in high school i mean that's not saxophone that's called a goose so i'm like no 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 interest no interest and I, i don't know how many Times he would ask, and I'd say, no interest. And then one day, again, at a concert, unbeknownst to me, he just showed up. I didn't even know he was going to be with us that night. He shows up, and we're on stage uh, going through you know, a band check, running through a song before the concert starts. And I'm hearing, while we're band checking, a saxophone in my head, thinking, whoa, that sounds great, not realizing there was a saxophone being played, but who is it? It sounded awesome. I turn around. It's Spencer. He had just shown up Lenox, South Dakota. He showed up, came in the back, grabbed his sax, came up the back of the stage, and just started ripping into the song with his sax. The rest is history. RLS now has a sax player, and it was awesome. Wow. Other things you remember about anything RLS, musical or other? I wonder how the ukulele stuff started. Well, that definitely would have been solo for you. So I would meet kids and I'd write stories about the people that I met. Or I would be in prayer, reading through the Psalms or in Scripture, and then to help memorize Scripture whenever I was impressed by a Scripture. I'd read something, and all of a sudden I would be singing a melody to the song, and then a song would come out. And I probably showed someone to Rick and said, Why don't you come out? Why don't you do those before we start? So I put a $5 pickup on my ukulele. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, I would walk out on stage acting like I'm not supposed to be there. <laughs> and uh, Is that where the song came 
I don't belong here? That was part of the inspiration for it, yeah. <laughs> Walking out, so imagine there's a crowd there, they're waiting for something to happen, and then five minutes before the concert starts, somebody walks out on stage with a ukulele and just starts strumming and playing, and the crowd was just, whoosh, they're all just right there. And I do my gig before it started, acting like I'm not supposed to be there, and then I introduce the band. Thus, our first warm-up act. And it was amazing. And then eventually, the band started the tourists. Yeah. You started the tourists. Yeah. And our motto so, was, we don't belong here. We don't belong here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. So multi-talented singer, songwriter, keyboard player, saxophone harmonica, ukulele, guitar, bass. Any other instruments that I haven't mentioned that you have played throughout the years? With Not, RLS? The only thing you ever played for with RLS ever was harmonica. And sax. I never had you play bass. You had me play keyboard on uh, on some tours when we were in Oregon. You had me play p- keyboard. Oh, when it was just you and I. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. If you and I went away solo, then yeah, I can see that happening. And then we had me play piano for churches and stuff. There we go. Yes. Piano, okay, another instrument. So I've lost track of how many instruments you play. And, and if you didn't play the instrument, if you saw one, he would learn it very quickly. Just pick it up. Just go with the basics. Learn from there. Let's play a little game. I'm going to say something very simple. I'm going to make you say... Word association. <laughs> your word association. I'll say a word or a, or a line, and just the first thing that comes to your mind, of course, related teen rescue, radical life support. Kids. Oh, a lot of fun. Kids are fun. Different uh, from all over the place, different uh, walks of life. One of the things with teen rescue and kids, what I liked about teen rescue is that the crowd that Rick or the staff or interns or or team members that we had separately, we, we may not have gotten along because we really didn't have the same interests. Right. Yep. But together, what I appreciate about Teen Rescue, what a lot of groups don't get is when, especially when they have an, an affinity around one thing, you go somewhere and you all do the same thing all the time. Yeah. But with Rescue, since we're traveling in a van with no radio <laughs> and we have different interests, when we got to a school, we all split apart and went in search of our own people. And then when you come back together, yeah. there would be a crowd there. And I've seen too many bands, yeah. too many groups. They hang together all the time. They reach one type of person, and then they come back to the gig. And somebody else has to do the marketing and bring it in. But what Rick and Teen Rescue would do, to me, what I saw was we would each attract our own kind of group. And then when we got back together again, there'd be all of that mix together in the same place yeah. to grow. Too many groups don't do that. I'd have bands in and... I don't know how many times I've said it. You could spend the day sound checking to be a great sounding band, or you can go out and get some kids to come to your gig, and then you'll have some. But if you do this, you won't have any. It's like at least you'd have somebody at your gig. So we're doing uh, word associations. Crazy. Oh, boy. So Rick's crazy. He's so He's got so many things going through his mind. He can't Rick's crazy. I'm crazy. The things I regret doing, the water bottle things I regret doing. Water bottle. So since traveling around in a water bottle, you're going from uh, small town to small town. In a lot of these places, the water's really bad. So I would carry a two-gallon water bottle with me on gigs. And I would bring it out with me on stage. I was very high energy, so I drank a lot of water. So I'd have a water bottle with me on stage, and I'd take a drink. And I learned that if I, I could puff it back into the light, and it would kind of... <laughs> the mist. The mist of the water in the light kind of made an effect. So I would do this thing. And the kids responded positively. What you can't see behind the lights is the parents' horrification of me water spitting uh, on the crowd. 
and on on to the parents that are paying the bill uh, <laughs> or the principal oh, that or oh, called us oh. in there and rick saying don't do that again yeah that's crazy that, that, that's that was, crazy yeah, i like some crazy but that's too crazy. Well, those some of those things are a little off so we crazy we, jumping off the stage oh boy crazy head banging uh, that was crazy that hurt well that yeah that hurt too that I, just I, hurt. I, I didn't do that Stage clothes are kind of crazy. Stage I mean, clothes, yeah. Sta- they look goofy in, in real life, but on stage, you have your stage clothes. I had my pink high tops. Yeah, no muscles, but uh, bought a muscle shirt on because it's so hot. And that was kind oh, of a man, it was it hot. hot on stage. Crazy was people in the band. Because you got the drama within the band members, and you're trying to minister to other people. So you really got to be managing that crazy as a band. And coming from, just a, like I had said before, attracting people from different places how do you keep unified and i think in not having a radio really helped because it it helped us to deal with each other and so one of the things i would do to to just steer the conversations i would ask what you've been reading in a word and then that would start a conversation among the band and we could keep that conversation going and keep people in the right mindset so when we hit the ground they're ready to walk it out Mm -hmm. so i always ask what you've been reading in a word and so I'm kind of known for that around. If they know me, they know what's coming. But it's not meant to guilt and shame people. It's meant to, and, and I'll ask that of anybody, because leaders are readers. Yes. And readers are leaders. Yes. What are you reading, and how is that improving you? And then, and then we can talk about those things. And so if they're non-Christians, you know, whatever the walk of life is, what have you been reading? And then we can bounce off of that and we can find out what their values are. I can encourage that value and help them walk in their journey with Christ. With us in Teen Rescue coming from different churches and stuff on Sunday mornings, I wanted to know if the messages that we're hearing, how they connect all of us together so we can be a group. If there's a false mindset that's being taught at their church that could negatively affect the team or negatively affect the people that we're reaching, we want to know that now. And let's deal with it on the drive now. But it also helps. We need to bond this team together, get us on a mindset. You need to be a little crazy, and uh, you need to be willing to confront crazy. And it's a crazy world out there. And you can be seen as crazy when you walk into the spirit was my other thing. It looks crazy when I've got my bottle, and I'm out of water. I remember being out of water. It's like, I'm so thirsty. Where am I going to get water? And jumping out of the van. And then seeing a big truck, and it said free water on the side of the truck. And the guy come on out walking at me and said, do you need a bottle of water? So God is so concerned about those little things. Right. It can seem crazy to walk this out. But God is that concerned about those things, the crazy things. And it can seem crazy when God tells you, Spencer, you need to build a suitcase for your guitar because you're going to be getting on an international flight in the afternoon or tomorrow. And you need a case for your guitar, so you need to build one. Okay, and it's crazy to listen to that. And then what happened, Rick? I called you up that day that you were built the uh, the guitar case and said to you, are you available to go to Toronto to fly with me to go do a, a youth retreat for the weekend? Yeah. It was a very last-minute gig, and they said, bring somebody with you. We'll pay for two tickets. And uh, bring somebody with you. And, of course, the first person that came to mind was Spencer. And call him up, and he shows up with his... And, and, but I remember you saying, but you can't bring your guitar because you don't have a case. And I said, yeah, I can. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be duct taped together, but I'm going to nail it together and put duct tape. And they checked me at customs, but I kept a duct tape roll in my pocket because I wanted to bring my guitar. That was another crazy thing. So being a lefty, I can't get 
guitars. So people would give me guitars, and then I would try to make them into a lefty or fix it up. And I had these three guitars that just weren't working right or weren't for me. So I went to a guitar place, and they had, and I saw a guitar. Uh, they had a lefty guitar in the corner, and I traded those uh, three guitars that people had given me for one that worked. And, I, and they said, those guitars are 40 bucks, and it's yours. Uh -huh. So I always thought that guitar must not be a very good guitar because it was only 40 bucks plus these other three. And I still have that guitar. I'm looking at it right now. Wow. And my 30 dream, years, 30 plus years later, yeah. the guitar's behind me. Yeah. Wow. I thought it was junk because I only got it for 40 bucks. <laughs> and my dream guitar is a solid cedar top mahogany guitar. I just that's crazy. It. And I find out that's what it is. But here I thought it was. And a Fender F250. That's crazy. LH. Wow. I had it the whole time and I traveled with it without a case. We threw it in the back of the truck on top. <laughs> Treating it like it was uh, like, like a $40 it was, guitar. Yeah, like it was garbage. And here it was, it was the dream guitar. And I had no idea. Mm -hmm. And God had provided it. Now it's, it needs a neck job. It needs refretting. 30 some years later, I'd need a neck job. <laughs> yeah, we need we need that. <laughs> I need a chiropractor right now. Yeah, so it's just crazy, oh, how, crazy. how God provides. God it's provides. crazy how yeah. that the mindset you need to have because it's so out of the box. I personally think there aren't many Crazy Rick stories. I, can, I think the crazy stories are the band members, yeah. what God has done, just the craziness of God's provision, his yeah. guiding, his leading. Oh, oh, okay, okay. <laughs> Here's crazy. So an angry kid comes up. After a concert, we would do autographs and then talk with people. And the kid comes up to me, uh, wants to talk to Rick, and angry. I said, oh, do you want an autograph? He goes, no, I don't want to talk to you. I want to talk to him. I want to talk to Rick. So I said, okay, fine. And I had the sense that God was going to, that Rick was going to lead that kid to Christ. What would make me think that? Mm -hmm. But I remember I was going to step aside. And he's going to talk to Rick in a minute. And I just started praying. And so when it was that kid's turn to talk to Rick and get Rick's autograph, Rick said to the kid, why do you hate your dad so much? Just It was like, boom, it dropped. And they were able to talk. And then a few minutes later, remember that Rick was there, uh, you know, hand, uh, arm over each other's shoulders. And, they, and he's praying to receive Christ. I just knew it. Mm -hmm. That that was his moment and praying through that. And how can you know those things? And it's just that trusting, walking in the Spirit of God, trusting, and it all works out. I remember there's a time when uh, I knew that if we did the gig, and I warned the band, we should not do this gig today, bad things are going to happen. So we are not in the right mindset. We just wanted to cut loose and do our own thing. And it was a disaster, I remember, as of this group of churches, and they had us into play. And we were awful. <laughs> <laughs> and we were not in the wrong right mindset, and these churches split apart, and they said, "We see, it doesn't work when we try to do anything together. You need to be walking in the Spirit and trusting Him. Boy, when you do it in your own flesh, bad things can happen that can set things back. So when you're not in that sense of crazy trusting, boy, I want to be there, because you miss it. Oh, my first yeah. gig with, uh, with Teen Rescue, I knew three chords. I'd written two songs. I had this horrible harmony guitar. And uh, my first weekend with Teen Rescue, Rick wasn't there, but they asked me to go along and then open for the band. But this kid would follow me around, the kid that would follow me around while the other band was playing, whatever was going on. And so this kid, I said, do you trust me? He goes, yeah. I said, you're cool, and, which I didn't hear very often. I couldn't shake him, so it's like, well, if I can't shake this kid, 
well, we'll see if we can. So I said, where are you at with Jesus? And have you ever made him the Lord of your life? And he said, no. I said, well, that's what's hindering you from doing that? I had him do the, you could ask God three questions track. Yeah. If he's crazy enough to hang out with me, I took a crazy step and asked him if he wanted to become a Christian. And he did. Aberdeen, South Dakota. My first gig with Teen Rescue and Rick wasn't even there. It was uh, just crazy. Well, Webster's Dictionary defines crazy as mentally deranged. <laughs> that is the first fine definition of the word. That's the adjective of the word crazy, especially as manifested in a wild or aggressive way. The second definition of the word crazy, extremely enthusiastic. So here we are using the word crazy. I think everybody knows they get it when you use the word something is crazy. They're not talking about a, a crazy person in the sense of mentally deranged, but they're crazy enthusiastic. They're crazy about what they do. They're passionate about what they do. And that truly defines Spencer from day one for me. I met him, got to know him, joined the band, traveled for three years with yes. RLS before God called him on to his next steps of craziness in the ministry. Oh. He wanted to be a pastor. Yeah, that's crazy. And God, uh, after three years of being with us, opened the door for him to go and be a youth pastor in Iowa, along with a person that uh, had become mutual friends of ours. Then after three years, he went and it was time for him to move on to that next part of his life where he went on to, how many years were you then youth pastor in Iowa? Uh, youth pastor for two years, then I met the wife, met Mary. Decided to get married. So, yeah, I knew Mary for a year and a half. Asked her to marry me. Seven weeks later, we got married. Moved to Oregon for four years. So I was going to a Pentecostal Bible college. But a Christian church, Disciples of Christ, asked me to be their youth pastor. So I was there for three years. But, and God said, you're going back to Iowa to pastor. So don't accept the pastor when they ask you. It's like, well, that's not going to happen. And they said, and it will happen in six months. And in six months... They asked me to pastor the church, and I said, I'm sorry to say no. God told me to come back to Iowa. I prayed. I said, God, we need a, uh, a church that's close to my, because Mary's mom was uh, diagnosed with Alzheimer's. So we wanted a church that was close to Mary's mom that fit my gift mix of wanting a musician, youth pastor for a pastor instead of the traditional guy. That was close to Mary's mom that had a salary that could that we could survive off of in Iowa. And the closest possible open Bible church to Mary's mom opened up in January. I candidated in, in March during spring break. They hired me, and then I had a job to go to in June. Well, while I was there, they bought a crack house, the kitty corner from the church, for $2,900 on a tax sale. And the denomination came in, gutted the place, put it back together. It took another six months after we got there to finish the rebuilding of the, of the parsonage. It was a four-bedroom, two-car garage house they bought for $2,900. They gutted the place and restored it, rebuilt it. So we had a $7,900 bill. Not a $72 house payment in Lake City, Iowa in 1996. Yeah. And at that point, that was a, roughly 10 years after we had first met. You'd really? gone through Teen Rescue. Right? You'd gone to Iowa. You'd gone to Oregon. You're now back in Iowa, and you are a yeah. what? A pastor. And I'm a senior pastor. And those are the words you heard 
at sunshine in yep. the crowd or yep. at that point yep. a distance from the crowd. You'd yep. heard those words that, that I were to be, become a pastor. That I was and there you pastor. are. Ten years later, you are a senior pastor. You're the leader of a church living in a crack house. And remodel, remodel crack house. You know, this is all just too crazy. Everything about your life, your calling, it's so crazy. And I'm going with the definition of of, of enthusiastic. It's that that's the definition of crazy that I love because enthusiastic and comes from the word entheo, meaning God in, God. in us, yeah. in God. Mm-hmm. When somebody sees us enthusiastic about something, they're really saying, I'm seeing God in you. And for those 10 years, you lived your life passionately for God. God brought you to that calling, that place that he had originally called you to earlier. He brought you to that place. He called you. You're there. You're in it. Now here we are. You know, that was 96. Here we are now 24 years later in Iowa recording a podcast in the Thurry's home, just talking about all that God has done for me. As I hear these stories, I'm super encouraged. I'm super blessed to have been uh, able to be a part of those early years of your calling. We have to admit, we didn't have a clue what we were doing. No. We were just following the Lord. We were yep. really, that was Trusting. it. Trusting in the Lord. But you got to do something. Got to do when it. When you see that there's a problem in, in, with yep. young people, and people are divided, just like today. We got to do something. I can't do, do nothing. It would be crazy oh. and heartless gutless Gutless. to do nothing right i don't know what to do so i'm going to do Mm. nothing while people are dying and starving and drowning in their emotions and miserable and locked up and in their loneliness and you believe in jesus and all of that and we do nothing so i decided to be crazy i'm going to do something Yes, it's crazy to grab a ukulele and jump out in front of a bunch of high school kids. What do you think is going to happen? Well, I'm glad you saw me <laughs> on stage in Sunshine. I'm glad that you saw me in the crowd playing an air guitar. I'm, I'm glad that you were drawn to that and that God used that in your life to bring you not only to the place that you are today, but in those 30-some years of following Christ now that God has used you to share the gospel, to disciple those that have become found, those who have committed their life to Christ, you've discipled them so that they could go on to really do the same thing, to live enthusiastically for Jesus. To me, as I hear all this, all I can think of is this really is for us in our first podcast of introducing a teen rescue member. This really is a radical life. Spencer is going to do a tune for us. And for anybody that would like to find out more about what Spencer Thury, T-H-U-R-Y, Spencer Thury, if you'd like to find out more about what he's doing, and here is here's music, please go to his Facebook. And I'm the only Spencer Thury in the universe, so <laughs> I'm really easy to find on okay. Facebook. <laughs> Not like Rick Moe. I'm all over. Seriously. I'm there's only one. There's they're only going to find one. Oh, attitude. We'll get there, won't we? Spencer on ukulele, doing a tune that he wrote while traveling with Teen Rescue. And I've, I heard it hundreds of times in concert. It's always one of my favorites. There is a world I see with my heart. There is a world I see with my eyes. They ain't the same. 
think I'm a fool cause I love what is good I don't accept lies or this world set of rules So I'm strange Very strange I don't belong here I don't belong here I don't belong here Neither do you Neither do you When I was young, I acted my age. I'm older now, but I still haven't changed. Choose to be naive and innocent. I don't do nothing if it does make sense. It's strange. Very strange. We don't belong here. But I'm open with some help from you Spend out of lives in a lifeboat of grace And rescue the lost from the lives that have been prearranged Yeah, yeah, yeah Long in a world that's so full of love That whenever we think that we found a crux There's more Party for hours till we see the sun And join in the chorus And you're still the one that I die for That's right We do belong here We do belong here We do belong here Among friends We do belong here We do belong here We do Thank you for listening today. We hope you enjoyed our first Radical Life Support Teen Rescue Podcast interview with Spencer Thurry from Oskaloosa, Iowa. If you have some great RLS Teen Rescue stories you'd like to share, please contact us at rickandrobinmo at gmail.com. Remember, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. Subscribe to Radical Life Support, and we'd appreciate you leaving a rating if that app offers one. Stay tuned next week when Rick and Spencer will do one more interview from our Minnesota property. Thank you. We'll talk to you then. Woo! Radical